Welcome to Five Cats, Two Pussies. This is Ronnie. And this is Lindsay. And as always, we are really excited about our episode today. Super excited. We're going to talk about graveyards. We visited a graveyard recently. We did. And we're going to share some experiences with you. Uh, And it's going to be a two-parter. So sit back and relax and strap in for part one. Uh, We're going to talk about a very specific graveyard in a few minutes. But before we get into the thick of things, I want to chat a little bit about our feline friends as it relates to burials and burial rites and traditions and there's a lot of things you can do with a deceased pet and unfortunately sadly pets do pass and we both live in the city which presents its own unique set of challenges i grew up where you just like you buried your pet in the backyard which i still do uh, because i have a very large backyard and the landlord doesn't give a fuck yes you have like the only yard in somerville right really right so uh i I choose to bury uh, my pets in the backyard, and I still do that, and plant a little, special little flower, um, special little bush, a little Daphne bush for Daphne um, in this case, but what do, you, what do you do, listeners? What do you do, Lindsay? Are you a, like, give it to the vet, cremation, pet cemetery? I, I mean, for me, it depends on location. Growing up, we, um, we always had a yard, and we always had a, a large yard. Not always, but for the most part, and when we had pets um, in in most of the places that we lived, we had a large yard, so we would always bury them. Now that my yard is a concrete parking lot, um, I, cho- I choose <laughs> <It> to <really is. laughs> I choose to to cremate my pets. Um, oh. it, it keeps them close to me, even though it is a little, you know, macabre. I guess to have. I, like, I don't think it's it's no more macabre than home. having relatives ashes and people get cremated all the time yes i agree with that i would i would, would actually prefer having the ashes of an animal in my home than the ashes <laughs> of a relative um i've i so with the last animal that i had to cremate um we scattered some of the ashes cool and we scattered them in her favorite spots oh that's nice yeah i like that because i like the like sort of closing that's why i also like to bury a pet um but wouldn't want to uh i'm not in the financial situation to bury a pet in a pet cemetery where i also have to pay for the upkeep and like i think it's nice but i think it's like it's all about having a place to um think about them or remember them and having that sort of like final closing ceremony of yeah. remembrance so yeah 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 we uh we recently well uh we were um uh, taking a little trip to record some of this episode which you will hear in just a moment uh we recently visited a little shop where uh the owner had taxidermied their cat and Wow, that was a trip. Um, (laughs) I don't know if anybody listening has ever taxidermied a pet or had a relative who taxidermied a pet. If my only piece of advice is if you're going to do it, I'm like, I don't really have a strong opinion, do or do not. But if you do, do it well, because this was not (laughs) a good job. This was like a freak show horror, like plastic pink eared white taxidermy cat it was so gross and i felt so sad for this cat (laughs) who was clearly loved enough to be taxidermied and put on prominent display in their witch shop but my god it was a sight to behold (laughs) so i don't that it it is an immediate turnoff for me to ever taxidermy a pet yeah it's i i I do like some taxidermy I, i like it if it's done well um, it's not how I want to remember a member of my family. Fair. Fair. Well, uh, we are going to chat with all of you today about, um, about graveyards. And I think it's, I think it's a cool, like, thing to be remembered. And then, you know, you go through these graveyards where these headstones are from the 17 and 1800s. And you're like, nobody remembers these people at all. At all. Unless you're famous. And most of them aren't. And true, yeah, and I think it was and some of them were even kind of shitty people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> lots of people are <laughs> terrible people and still get buried and <laughs> with a gravestone. It turns out. Um, so yeah, we we took a trip to Providence, uh, Providence, Rhode Island, and uh, had an opportunity to um, sort of tour a little graveyard there. I want to talk to you all about that experience, but uh, also wanted to share a little of like 
why like why graveyard why do a graveyard episode uh it's more macabre than it is witchy and uh, i think a lot of times those two things sort of go hand in hand spooky macabre witchcraft it all sort of like it can and it can't not everybody who is a witch is into the macabre or spooky stuff and not everybody who is into the macabre or spooky or graveyards uh, is a witch but for us it kind of felt right and cool it felt right it had been something that we had been planning on doing for a little while now um, and we definitely didn't get to visit as many cemeteries as we would have liked to. But we um, did spend an extensive amount of time in one, which we was did. awesome. And we had some really interesting experiences there. Right. So um, I grew up next to a cemetery. Cemetery, graveyard, I don't. I, I think graveyard sounds cooler. Cemetery totally sounds very sounds modern. Cooler. So for me, uh, I'm going to use probably use graveyard for graveyard is for like old cemeteries and cemeteries for like where people are cur- still currently buried uh, on a regular basis. But uh, that's my own weird hang up. But I grew up next to a graveyard, a cemetery, it was a bit of both. Um, and it was like a place where like I would ride my bike safely or actually like, used to ride my horse safely. Uh, but it was like a cool, friendly, open aired space. It wasn't like this like cool, mystical, dank, dangerous, spooky, solitary space. And this one totally was. Yeah, it totally was. And I, I it, Maybe that's because of the way that we perceive cemeteries now. But there was a point in time where, like, people used to go and fucking picnic in cemeteries, dude. Right. Like, that was their park. Right. Yes. Totally. uh, They were like, oh, let's go have a meal at the cemetery. That's that's true. We um, we went to visit a very specific graveyard. So we went to see the Grace Church Graveyard in Providence, Rhode Island. And um, this is sort of located in a little triangle between Elmwood Ave and um, Broad Street. And it's just this like little tiny triangle chunk of land. Um, And it is close to a church, but oddly enough, I don't think it's close to the church that it is associated with. We never did see like Grace Church while we were there. We we couldn't really figure out where it was. Uh, But we did uh, manage to find out a little bit of information on it. And it was established in 1834. Uh, There are grave markers there from beyond uh, like older than that. Um, so whether those graves were moved there or it was only officially the Grace Church graveyard um, at that point, I'm not quite sure, but it's doubled in size and there are currently uh, 8,800 people buried there. Uh, the oldest grave marker is from 1768 and the newest is from the year 2000. No kidding. We did yeah. see some newer graves there. Yep. Um, the first one that I saw when I walked in was the grave of a person named Rich Kid. Yes. <laughs> and I thought that that was really funny. <laughs> that, was, that was cute. Uh, so uh, we're going to do something a little different with this episode. And we did some recordings while we were in the graveyard at night. Uh, because as you do, when you go to visit a graveyard, you want to do it right at dusk. Because <laughs> that's mostly when we arrived in Providence. Pretty but much. it was also really cool and spooky and fun to walk around at that time of day. Because it's just it's sort of that like twilight veil between the living and the dead, the light and the dark. It was awesome. Uh, but... We took a little handheld recorder, which means that some of what you're going to hear in this episode is not our usual like quality of sound. So if you're an audiophile and that really bothers you, totally get it. I'm not one of those people, but you, maybe you are. So maybe you, you want to fast forward through our actual audio in graveyard recordings. If you want to, totally fine. We're going to give you some time markers so that you can just fast forward through those. We'll give you a little recap. and We're going to talk about each of these clips after um, you've had a chance to listen to them. So that being said, uh, we're going to give you a little intro to the Grace Church Graveyard and our first experience there. And this one's going to be about five minutes long. We'll see you in a few minutes. Okay. Then just talk. And At it or recording us talking right now. Okay. Yeah. But, but yeah. how? Like, do we have to like talk into it or just? Nope. Just okay. You just talk like this normally. Yeah. Bringing like. Yeah. So Lindsay and I are at the Grace Church Cemetery in Providence, Rhode Island, and it's a 
very overcast, rainy, sort of dreary day, and we wanted to take a little walk through the graveyard and and just sort of see how it felt and look at some of the old stones. This is a very, very old graveyard that has clearly had new graves um, put on top of them. Um, there's quite a few photos that we'll share, but we've had a bunch of mixed emotions walking through. I think the first thing we saw is a lot of the gravestones here have been vandalized. And so a lot of them have been tipped off their resting place and um, not put back for whatever reason. Um, sort of a, a little bit of a feeling of sadness because of that. But we're standing under uh, a large tree where one of the bases of a gravestone has actually grown into the tree, or the tree has grown around it. And we're in front of the grave of it says Augusta A, wife of Thomas. Maybe Monroe? Augusta A. Monroe. And Sirius Cobb, it looks like. Daughter of... Cyrus. Very hard to Cyrus. see. Cyrus. And, and B. Cobb. Died uh, May 23rd. That looks like 1832. 1832. 21 years and four days. 21 years, one month, four days. There's further inscription on the bottom of the stone, but the stone's made of marble, and it's not really legible anymore. There's this super heavy feeling over here. I was kind of drawn to this area because I like the tree, and the closer I got, the more I started feeling nauseous. And I was like, where is it coming from? Where is it coming from? So I like, there's this kind of little not really a circle, but there's this group of um, headstones clustered together over here. So I kept going back and forth to each one. I was sort of standing in this one space, and I wonder if it was coming from the grave across from Augusta, or if it was Augusta, but I, I keep getting it when I'm standing in front of Augusta. And it goes away when I'm super weird. stones sort of in line on this one side are also Monroe's, so maybe some sort of family plot once upon a time. Yeah. It's really peaceful though, under the tree. The trees and graveyards that are, they're always like the biggest, oldest, blackest branched trees. These look like the best climbing trees <laughs> too. All over the place. Definitely oak trees be sort of sheltering the graves. I wonder if we can have more information on Augusta. We may be able to. We have a photo of her headstone. Um, there's another one in the same plot, looks like right next to her, where the top part... Probably this piece here. Oh, yeah. There it is. And that looks like Thomas. And Augusta, <laughs> side by side. Pretty common, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And Louisa next to them. I just see from Thomas's Thomas B's headstone. There's too much deterioration to tell if yeah. Louisa and Thomas J might be parents, but based on the dates, entirely possible. Thomas, we're here long time since anyone's come to see you. I mean that even all this time later somebody came by to see your gravestone. So, uh, I hope that you enjoyed that little snippet of our time in the graveyard, and we've certainly got some more for you, but uh, I think you could tell from, like, from the recording that it was kind of a somber experience. It was, uh, it, I don't know, it was just, like, heavy, and it was moody, and I think part of that was because the area that we walked through was very old and 
the stones were largely deteriorated, probably also like, you know, the fog and the rain and that sort of nonsense. But uh, I think what was like even more sort of mood setting is the fact that like 80% of the headstones in especially that section of the graveyard have been vandalized. They had been like pushed off their bases. There were um, a lot more than I was expecting, actually. And I don't know, maybe somebody listening can help fill us in. Why does nobody pick them up? Like, I don't, I guess maybe there's a reason or superstition or something about that where like you, if you put them back on their base, but I don't understand why nobody has put them back on their base. I couldn't help but wondering while I was walking through because so many of them were like pushed over or knocked off of their bases. If it were, if it were an if it oh gosh my words aren't working if it was a natural occurrence right just from years and years of being there and weather and you know they just fell off or if it if if it was actually people moving them that's fair that's fair i think um i assume probably both uh, yeah i assumed it was vandalization only because I know that was like a popular thing to do in my hometown. We were teenagers, see what we could push over. I don't know why teenagers do dumb shit, but we do. Um, but in any case, we we sort of ended up in this cluster. And we were drawn to it because you got a very specific feeling. And I walked through. You sort of pointed me in the right direction. You were like, I got a really weird feeling headed in that direction. I want to see if you pick up on it. And like I walked in that direction. I got nothing. But that was very distinct for you. It was. And for me, I was drawn in that direction. I was like, I was like a dowsing rod. I was like, something is going on over here. And I started at the front of the cemetery, cemetery, sort of walking in that direction and then like diagonally crossed past that and then was drawn back towards it because I hadn't really passed by it. I'd only been somewhat near it, was drawn back towards that area and I got that feeling the feeling just kept getting stronger as I got closer describe the feeling like you mentioned nausea but I'm kind of curious yeah. like is it an all over feeling is it like a pit in the stomach it's 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 hard to describe it's a feeling that I have had before um oh. and that I've had numerous times before but I didn't I didn't remember how I recognize that feeling until after we left the cemetery, which oh. we'll get into eventually. Um, but the feeling itself is, it starts off as like a feeling of an energy emitting from somewhere. Okay. Sort of. And so I follow that. And as I get closer, my body starts to feel heavier and it is like a pit in your stomach okay. eventually, but that's more like the end feeling. Okay. So like, you know, you've arrived because like to where you're supposed to be because that feeling comes or just not necessarily the, to it, it where I'm supposed to be, but okay. that feeling is the strongest when I'm there. Okay. Yes. Um, so I got to that area and I had that feeling and I was like, where is this coming from? Because it was under that beautiful tree. Right. Gorgeous, gorgeous tree. And there were, I don't know, maybe six gravestones. There was a, yeah, it was a cluster. It was quite a cluster. It was a cluster around it, maybe six gravestones. And I was like, where is this coming from? And I couldn't decide whether it was between Augusta or the one across from her, whose name I don't recall. Oh, um, Mary Spink. Okay. I was walking from, from headstone to headstone and it would dissipate as I got further away. And get stronger as I came back. And I did this several times before you and I met back up. And right. I was like, walk in this direction and see if you feel anything. Um, and it kept, I'm pretty sure it was Augusta's gravestone. Yeah, I think that's sort of where we we arrived. And one of the, my favorite things about gravestones is um, they're these like, it, the lost little chunks of history. Like they're one of the final things that you have to say, like I was here from this date to this date. Mm -hmm. And these were marble headstones and very deteriorated. So I did a little digging, a little research and the um, Rhode Island historical cemetery commission actually has uh, about 80% of the gravestones or grave markers in that cemetery. That's uh, super documented. Cool. That's super cool. So um, we got some stuff wrong because I, uh, because we couldn't read it. We were trying to read in the half light and it was just like a slight imprint in the marble. So 
Um, what I was able to find out is um, Augusta A. Thomas. Or sorry, no, Augusta A. Monroe. Monroe, yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry. Um, Augusta A. Monroe was, uh, let me just look it up here again. Oh, there we go. So Augusta A. Monroe, her maiden name was Cobb. So born Augusta Cobb, uh, she actually was born, we think, 1846. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like circa 1846, so somewhere around there, um, to Cyrus and Abby A. Cobb. And I did look up um, Augusta A. Cobb, which you get a bunch of stuff about um, about the dude who founded Mormonism's second polygamous wife. Not the same lady. Oh. Not the same. Not the same lady. Same name. Different or same <laughs> initials anyway, not like different lady. Um, and, and I clarify that only because they're like Augusta A. Cobb was um, his second wife and she was from the East Coast and visited Rhode Island. But I, so I wanted to make that clear. Not the same person. Uh, but this Augusta A. Cobb married Thomas B. Monroe who is the um, headstone marker that she was buried next to that we actually had to like, which broken off and we flipped over to see like who was buried next to her and they were buried next to his parents. Okay. So Thomas um, J. Uh, Monroe and his wife were the um, two next door sort of thing. Okay. And those headstones were actually in better shape than, yeah. uh, than Augusta and the Thomas. Yep. Um, the junior. But yeah, Augusta was born um, 1846-ish, died May 23rd, 1867. So much later than we initially thought um, because... But still just as young. It did give her age of of death on the headstones. It's amazing how much information these headstones actually... Down to the day, like to the day, 23 years, like two days. One, like it's, it's so like, I don't understand why that's specific, yeah. but very specific on how long somebody was alive down to the day. Uh, what I was able to find out about Thomas B. Monroe, um, her husband, I don't have a birth year, but he died in 18, maybe 1864 or 1865. So I have um, sort of two different dates on that death side of things, but um, he was actually in the Civil War and he died. Oh. It looks like he died a couple years before she did. Uh, so sh- she was buried after uh, but he was uh, a private. He was discharged as a corporal. He served in the Rhode Island Army Branch, um, C Company, uh, 10th Infantry Unit, and uh, yeah, was served in the uh, Civil War for a Is very it, long time. Was it clear whether or not he died in the Civil War? It's not clear on the like on this particular record that I was able to find. Um, so I would need to do a little bit more, a little bit more digging, but maybe somebody out there listening is really into genealogy or this type of like history research. This is what we were able to do on our off time since we do have full-time jobs. <laughs> um, and I love this stuff. So, you know, as I find more information, I'm happy to like throw it up on the Instagram and add to it. But uh, yeah, they were, they were married. They both died very young and um, it was actually um his so Thomas J Monroe uh, had two wives and was buried next to his first wife for whatever reason. That I did find out as well, oh, which was scandalous. Um, but yeah, so for whatever reason, drawn to their drawn to their site. Yeah, it was um, it was super weird. It did end up happening again. Yeah, it was the whole the whole experience was. Uh, it was pretty like pretty wild, and we have another little excerpt for you to uh, sort of keep that spooky vibe going. But um, then its next clip is going to be about seven minutes long. So again, if the tape recorder uh, sort of audio quality bothers you, check back in with us in about seven minutes. Otherwise, uh, we'll we'll follow up with you in a few minutes. Yeah. Enjoy. We'll do a quick recap. See you soon, witches. We're at the base of another old oak tree. This one maybe not quite as old as the first one. But what I really liked about this space is that it's hard to tell if the around the graves 
or the gravestones have maybe been moved and placed here just because there's so many stones that are broken. But right at the base of this stone, there's two tiny little markers that are pretty impossible to read, at least in the fading light. But I like that the tree is just sort of nestled around this one that's sort of all by itself. It looks like it's sort of like hugging it and holding it. And there's these baskets of rocks all over the place. So something that we actually um, used to do for my grandfather's grave, which is an old uh, scouting tradition, is um, you take uh, five rocks and you put them in a circle. And these would be um, usually white rocks, but rocks of any sort. But you take five rocks, put them in a circle, put a well, and that was to symbolize if you were out camping or fishing or hiking that somebody found that, that you had gone home. So while we don't have a circle of rocks, I found a large white rock to put at the base of this little buddy's grave, whoever you were. It's kind of nice to know that you weren't forgotten. And the tree has you. And it just seems like a, a cozy place to be. Behind it, there's just rows and rows of tiny little teeth-like like gravestones. Some of them are very old. Yeah, it's strange. This side of the cemetery is almost all super, super small. I liked about this area, too. Uh, we had an episode, I think, three or four on Mullen. I think three and is on Mullen. And we've actually found quite a bit of mullen in the graveyard. Yeah. So at the base <laughs> of graves, um, some graveyard dust. And I'll, I'll leaf for a future use. Have you decided who you're going to place your rock with? No, I haven't. All right, let's wander around. I like the idea of doing it with these little, because I think that these are the poor people over here. I think that you're right. Or children, something like that. A large, well-established, fuzzy, very beautiful and soft mullein plant. You should only ever take a third. I'm going to take one leaf, little plant. From the grave of Reverend, oh gosh, ne that's about all I can make out. C H Y E. Ah, uh, Reverend Yearwood. 1818. Like a little graveyard dust. Lindsay's <laughs> found her marker. Yeah, I can't read it. It's super old. <coughs> I wish I had brought some, like, paper. Yeah, I don't think you're actually allowed to do red more. Oh, no? Mm -mm. Oh. 18 something one. That's what I'm seeing. Oh. Eight, there was one, uh, I did find one that was 1800. Oh, I'm just feeling over here. So, whoever you are. Hi. There's definitely some sort of flower that grows. Oh, yeah. There's like some dried stems around it. Like graveyards. I don't find them creepy, I find them very. A lot of energy <coughs> in the field. Like that rock, it was just buzzing the entire time I was holding oh. it. It was so weird. I really, really wanted to get rid of it. Oh, weird. Was the feeling that I had. But I tried to put some good energy into it as I was holding it. Yeah, it's, it's also weird because this particular graveyard is clearly very old and is, you know, preserved. But right a car dealership, and there's a U-Haul place, and so you've got all this like buzzing modern noise, but nestled right in the graveyard. I didn't really notice it until you know I sort of looked up. I could hear like the birds. Yeah, you do kind of get lost. You're totally right. I like to imagine in a world where ghosts and spirits. Have willing and frolic. I like the idea of like at night when it like up and hang out. Yeah. <laughs>
I think that would be cool. I hope they all get up and hang out with their tits out. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine these folks would be very proper. They probably would be. Love of dead things and bones and tire me. I have like no desire to rob a grave. As cool no. as it is, like I walk over all of these, especially these ones that are clustered together like this. Like I walk o- over them and around them, uh, and and I think about the fact that like you know you don't walk on the grave as best you can, kind of thing. But you know there are over this place probably stacked upon each yeah. other. Yeah, it's hard to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But like I have no desire to like see what's under there. I'm like above is a sad enough reminder. Just let, leave them be. I mean, if I were allowed, it would be pretty cool to, like, open one up and see a super old dead skeleton. I wouldn't just, like, do it, though. Like, if somebody were like, you have permission to go and do this for research, I right. would be like, okay. I also wonder, though, like, what people are buried with. Yeah. Like, you know, peop- like, how many of these graves are buried with like a favorite toy or a favorite ring or an heirloom of some sort yeah. or who knows I don't really know what traditions were in like the yeah, mid 1800s as far as like burial goes I feel like there's so much to talk about this one Buzzing Rocks and Mullen and Reverend Yearwood and yeah I'm not even sure like 100% where to begin? Yeah, there really is. Um, why don't we start with um, why don't we start with the tree? Okay, and why you chose yeah. that tree to drop your rock off at? Yeah, awesome. Uh, so, uh, the whole graveyard has these big old gnarly trees, and they're almost all oak trees based on the leaves that were gathered everywhere. Uh, but. I really liked this one because the root formation sort of made this like little like nested arms around this like I'm, I'm going to call them like a chiclet gravestone, which I feel like is probably disrespectful, but they were like book sized grave markers. They were not very big. There was a bajillion of there them. There were so many of them. And like they have nothing on them. Like they like maybe time has worn whatever was on there completely off but they seemed like they were just simply here's a stone to mark a grave not who is in it and this tree had just like grown unwrapped itself around this particular grave marker and I'm not sure like maybe the grave marker got picked up and put there but I like to think that it didn't look like that to me it looked like the tree had grown around it 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 just I don't know it looked so nestled and cozy and I like to think that like the tree just kind of like gave it a little hug it did it looked like the tree was cradling it as a mother would to her newborn baby yes which I think is where like as we mentioned in the clip um, we thought maybe all of those like neat little rows of tiny little um, unspecific uh, grave markers were maybe children, which would be horrifying because there were so many of there them. There were so many. But I think, actually, after a little bit of reading, I think they might have been soldiers. Okay. Uh, just, uh, and there was definitely... That makes sense because they were all designated to this, this one, one area. area. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there are veterans from, I think, four or five different wars in this particular cemetery. No shit. But... Um, uh, all the way back to the Revolutionary War. But I think that they were soldiers and there's very, very likely more than one person buried at each of those markers because they just would like that makes bury sense. four or five there people was a in point one in time, Yeah, space. where absolutely. Yeah. And especially like Puritan graves, for example, um, which doesn't have anything to do with the cemetery at all, but they would bury five, six people on top of each other. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, I liked, I don't know, this, this one out of those, like, there was probably at least a hundred of those, like, tiny little grave markers, but this one was just hugged by the tree, and I just, I don't know. It, it was. It just felt so safe and cute and, I don't know, but also kind of sad. So, well, I, I give it my stone. And before you led me there, um, because we had split ways at, at the beginning, when we, yes. when we first entered the graveyard, we had both gone our separate ways to kind of explore a little bit, and when we met up back at the tree that I had my weird feeling at, um, you had mentioned this one to me and you told me that it gave you kind of a happy feeling. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Just, I think it was that idea of like, 
like being hugged and comforted and I don't know. I just, trees and graveyards are always just like, they're as old as the graveyards, if not older. And they've seen it all. They've seen every single person that's come through there and weeped. And they've seen all the hurricanes and all the winter storms and all like they've, they've, they've lived through as much and more as all of the people in the graveyard. And I just like the idea that this one just took this one marker and just sort of like, it's like, I've got you. It's kind of comforting to think that those trees have been there all this time, um, watching yeah. the people coming and going and absorbing their energies and, and taking their sadness and turning it into their own. Yeah. But being yep. there to watch over all of it. A hundred percent. One of the other things we sort of mentioned on that little clip is these baskets of rocks, which were everywhere. And they were they everywhere. Were, so it were, they were weird. I don't know. Maybe you know if you're listening and you're like, yeah, baskets of rocks are for this thing, you idiots. You shouldn't have taken a rock. <laughs> but they were just, they were literally just like baskets yeah, of rocks. Yeah, it was like plastic tubs of rocks. Yeah. And like they weren't little rocks. These were like big fist size or larger chunks of rock like just rocks like you'd find like in your yard or like chunks of granite or like big like the one I chose was like this big white it wasn't marble but this big gnarly white rock um Mm -hmm. and I don't know maybe there were just things that were picked up because the caretakers didn't want to ruin their lawnmowers and they moved them possible a thought that occurred to me was that maybe they had come from like chipped off yeah I, I thought that too but they were so like rounded yes some of them didn't were seem possible exactly some of them just straight up garden rocks right like. <laughs> yeah super weird the rock that i chose was also kind of wider in color and i picked that up bef- like right before you picked up the the your big yes. big yeah. white one out of the barrel and i found mine on it wasn't quite on the path, but it was like, like just off yeah. of the path that we were walking on. And you, like you said, it was like later that it was giving these like buzzing vibe. And yeah, I want to know so much more about this. That was weird. So when I picked it up, it was I was like, "This seems like a rock that I should be carrying around, and this seems like a rock that I should give to somebody." Yeah, like you did this before. Like we even really both noticed the fact that there was a bunch of rocks you just like we're walking along you just like bent down and pick up picked up a rock and i was like oh okay yeah i was like oh that reminded me of the like thing with my grandfather i was like oh i also want to do a rock thing yeah yeah but yeah like it just this rock just called out to you it did and there were tons of rocks on the ground (laughs) and i I saw this one and i was like i need to pick up that rock and i picked it up and nothing you know it was fine it was just a rock i was carrying in my left hand and after and i probably had this in my hand for like five minutes maybe five to ten minutes somewhere in between there and as I as I was walking around with it it started warming up like it was pretty chilly outside yeah, it, was a cold and night. It, it wasn't freezing in my hand um but it was a little chilly in my hand and it's, as it started to warm up over the next couple of minutes there I got this buzzing feeling in my hand like and electrical energy buzzing or no like how would you describe like the buzzing sensation i don't know it's so weird <laughs> because eventually it was so strong it was vibrating up my arm that's so freaking it weird. was so weird and and I, cool. I wanted to i just there was a point where i was like i need to get rid of this i need to put it down and as this is happening i'm like trying to push my energy into it because it didn't feel quite right but it also didn't feel wrong right but it was vibrating it was the strangest feeling. It was vibrating and vibrating and vibrating. And we're at these chiclet graves, these super right. tiny um, headstones that don't really have any markings. And we're walking around and I'm trying to find the right one because I didn't just want to put it down on any old grave. Just a random yeah. grave. So we're walking around and finally I get to one and I got this nauseous. I got the nauseous feeling the, again. Oh. The like pit in your stomach, super he- like shoulders heavy. V- almost like sorrowful feeling and it was a headstone that was a little bit different than the rest of them around it it was almost um scrolled at the top oh cool a little bit bigger than the super small ones not much bigger but a little bit bigger maybe double the size and it did have some some writing on it but we couldn't yeah that was very deteriorated um and it had sort of like a peak at the top almost as if um uh, a temple right not of super pronounced peak i don't even know how to describe this maybe like a roman roman temple-esque with sort of like scrolled edges cool 
I don't even know what to call that. But, um, and I got that feeling there and I was like, okay, I'm leaving it here. And, the, and I was and relieved to get rid of that. The rock. feeling go away, like when you put it down? Yes. Uh, not the nauseous feeling, no, but the buzzing did, yes. Uh, wild. Now, I guess this is an appropriate spot to like ask, not to get into or tangent into ghosts, but like, do you believe in like commun like communication with spirits or ghosts? Dude, or totally. Do think- okay, so you do you think that like something was trying to talk to you or reaching out to you? No while idea. Around? I have no idea. That feeling that I get, that like nauseous feeling. I mentioned earlier that as we were leaving the cemetery, I remembered where I had felt it before. Right. And it's a feeling that I often get in churches, hmm. Catholic churches specifically, and most often, but not all of them, only some of them. Right. And a few years ago, I was at a, uh, a funeral in a Catholic church, and I had that feeling there. And they were burning frankincense. And I think that they do in, in most Catholic churches. So I was like, I wonder right, if this yes. is, I was like, this, part must, of their incense this sensor thing. must be it. I was like, it must be the frankincense that's making me have this feeling because this, I've gotten this feeling in churches since I was young. Sure. But I also find it interesting and I'm sure there's a lot more to unpack there uh, in future episodes as well. But I find it particularly interesting that you recognized this feeling that you had in the graveyard at different specific grave sites with a feeling that you had, not necessarily in a Catholic church, but at a funeral. Yes, but also the same feeling that I had felt like previously not at funerals. Right. But, th- th- and that's fair, but I do, like, I don't know. I think there might be something there where... There could be. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the, maybe like spirits to talk to you or something. I, I don't know. Maybe. But I, I, I didn't I like, I, I certainly didn't experience anything like that. That was a very, like, like you were very adamant about like, I got to put this rock down. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, I need to get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> we even walked faster. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh yeah. There was this feeling like I need to hurry. I need to yeah. hurry and I need to find something because I have to get, I can't be oh, holding so it anymore. Wild. Yeah. So wild. Super weird. Well, uh, we also, I think in this uh, little clip we mentioned very uh, briefly, we stopped to pick some mullen, which was episode three. Three, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So we've talked about mullen. If you want to know more about mullen, go back and listen to episode three. Um, But uh, mullen is also known as graveyard dust. And I was so excited. Dude, it blew my mind. I was so excited. I thought there might be mullen there, but I was so excited to find out that like to walk through and see it. Like at first I was like, oh, there's a mullen plant. And then I was like, oh, there's another one. And then I was like, when I started seeing it, sort of one of those like when you know what to look for you see it everywhere and it was all over the graveyard and some of those mullen plants were fucking gigantic yeah, very they, they get large <laughs> they get Holy very shit. big they i get, had no yeah. idea so that was really exciting as a sort of budding herbalist green witch to uh, to not only sort of like see this thing that i've read about and like you know know to look for now but to see that it was thriving and growing like graveyard dust in a graveyard so that was exciting uh i did pick one leaf which i have dried uh it was super big and fat and fuzzy and now it is still it is still fat and fuzzy but it is um it shrinks quite a lot does <laughs> uh, it yeah yeah maybe we should smoke it one of these days uh, you know i maybe um <laughs> i think because of this particular one having picked it from a graveyard it is specifically graveyard dust like i have mullen that grows in my yard that i want to use for smoking that i'll harvest next year but this particular one being so specifically graveyard dust um i want to use it for spellcraft oh that's a good idea yeah i I, we here's an idea we could also like visit another graveyard and pick some graveyard dust and use it for smoking it might be kind of an interesting divination thing yeah that's i want to use that very like i want to be very specific about if we're picking something from a place with that kind of energy where you're getting buzzing rocks and nauseous feelings and like that type of like heaviness, I don't want to be inhaling 
the herbs that are like, like, I don't know, there's just something a little bit different there. So if we are going to smoke that sort of thing in the future with the purpose of divination or tarot reading or something like that along the way or a specific spell, I want to make sure that we're doing it properly and putting also the proper precautions in place. Fair. So totally. I don't want to mess around with somebody else's like mojo from a graveyard. But that particular leaf that I picked um, was from, uh, I did, again, we had to go back and look it up, um, <laughs> but it was Reverend Christopher Yearwood. And there's not a lot about him, uh, but it looks like he was a uh, a reverend from the Yale Divinity School, might have practiced a little bit in um, Massachusetts, and actually died a little bit um, later, so maybe like 1911, 1912. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, C- Reverend Christopher Yearwood. I mean, still, that's a, over 100 years ago. Oh, yes. Still still very old grave, but it was like, yeah, I just, I don't know. If I'm picking something from somebody's grave, I at least want to get their name right. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I think leads me to uh, all of these tombstones were pretty deteriorated. Yeah. And I remember being a kid and doing that like thing in school. You put the paper up and you rub some like crayon yeah. over it or some chalk, which I'm like, I don't know about Massachusetts. We'll have to look that up I'm, later. But I think I, it's illegal. In yeah, I, I think it is too, be- probably because there's so many historical graves here. Yeah, yeah. But um, you found out some cool stuff for Rhode Island. Yeah, dude. It's actually not illegal in Rhode Island. Well, I mean, Rhode Island, it doesn't surprise me that it's not illegal in Rhode Island because you can do a lot (laughs) of shit in Rhode Island that you can't do anywhere else. But it is highly discouraged. Unless you have somebody there who actually knows what the fuck they're doing because it could could really mess up the gravestone. You can make it worse. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What they do recommend, um, and this is per RhodeIsland.gov, who cites the Rhode Island Historical Cemetery Commission, two really good options for in lieu of grave rubbing. So so if you're like if you're a history nerd and you get like to geek out about like look how old this one is yeah. or how short of a lifespan even, this person had. Exa- exactly. <laughs> Something like that or even like I'm a big like symbolism buff and oh, I, I, yeah. I get super like I get a boner about um like symbolism on graves totally um especially anything that's like puritan era oh because man. they were like so beautiful so against religion in in depicting like the imagery on the the tombstones of their dead what they recommend is taking a photo of the headstone and then turning it into a negative on your computer so that makes like, sense You're right so you in know, inversing the exactly right. inversing it's super easy to do in Photoshop or whatever else people use. You can I don't do it know. on your iPhone. I'm pretty I sure use, you probably can. <laughs> you probably can. I use Photoshop a lot for different things, so that's I would probably use that. But yeah, you could probably just do it on your phone. I'm sure there's an app that'll do it for you. That or uh, shining a flashlight across it, right? Yeah, um, to create shadow and depth. Yep. to bring out the detail. Yeah, and I think where we sort of failed in that endeavor, and we we will be periodically posting photos over the next uh, week or so from our little excursion but we arrived at dusk and we left way after dark so yeah so uh, a flashlight probably could have done us pretty pretty probably (laughs) but there were definitely um definitely cool art definitely cool markers and we did take a bunch of pictures but uh yeah we didn't have there we wasn't didn't have the light as we much needed. imagery as I thought that there would be. Yeah, I was really surprised about that too. Pretty, a lot of the tombstones were pretty vacant of anything but words. And I wonder, you know, if that's like a sign of the time, a sign of the uh, the means of the people, like the, that particular church community. Like... My take on it is, is it was probably more of a sign of the means of the people than yeah. anything else. Because there were also some very, some newer gravestones. For that sure. were very elaborate. For sure. And there was also a lot of, um, and but when I say a lot, I think we saw probably half a dozen or more um, cast iron five-pointed stars uh, that were placed next to gravestones. They were. They were d- just like dug into the ground next to the gravestones. Yeah. And I did a quick Google search and I couldn't really find much. But what I did see that this could have been because we didn't take photos of these stars. And we it was too dark. <laughs> it was too dark. We didn't take photos of them. But they were they were five pointed stars and they did have some imagery. In yes. Them. Yeah. They were very um, ornamental. 
they were. Um, so doing a quick Google search, the closest thing that I could find were um, stars pretty similar that depicted um, a revolutionary war soldiers. Fair. I think that it might be a general, like a general veteran marker of some sort. It could because be because yes. I found and that would make the most sense. Yes, because I know from the. The Rhode Island Historical Cemetery Commission li- only lists four Revolutionary War graves, and right. there was more than four of those stars. Uh, I saw two personally. Oh, uh, I saw at least six. Okay, all right, then, but I could be yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. We could be wrong. Um, well, I mean, we could. We told. We, we saw them, and we were like, "Oh, that's neat." Yeah, what and then is we didn't that, <laughs> and then we didn't like take a photo of it or anything <laughs> no, we, like that. So, we suck. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I found similar ones um, that were Union soldier grave markers. Okay, and there are Union soldier graves in that cemetery. There definitely so, are. Yeah, it was more Union soldier era. But for they were sure. yeah, they were really cool and. Uh, I just yeah I also like I I also dig the like the imagery and the sort of like it's the idea of like leaving something behind to tell tell your story after you're gone like generations later like I don't know there's just something really interesting there I think you know being also kind of like a history nerd and enjoying that kind of thing but uh I like the the idea of like people leaving these sort of like this is a thing that I did, or this is a thing that I believe, because there was a lot of like Freemason imagery on a lot of the tombstones. There as well. was a lot of Mason imagery, yes, and I actually I made note of that on um, on some of my notes for yeah. symbolism. Yeah, for sure. Well, that is uh, that is a, a lot <laughs> uh, <laughs> of information on the Rhode Island uh, Historical Cemetery Commission's Grace Church Cemetery. Um, And we have more to share. So this has been part one. And next week we will share part two with you where we will get into uh, more of the symbolism. uh, More of the symbolism (laughs) on uh, the different tombstones as well as um, share with you a little bit about a tarot pool that we did. So super excited for part two. I hope you all enjoyed part one. Um, Before we leave you completely today, we wanted to give a quick shout out. Yay, shout outs. Um, As always, we are super appreciative if you're listening and following along with our episodes. We love it. We like thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. And we wanted to give a quick like thank you shout out to Danny T who left a lovely little review on Apple Podcast for us. Thank you, Danny T. And let you know as well, um, we had a couple of letters over the last uh, two weeks. So I really appreciate all of the correspondence that we get, especially if it's like respectful, open, honest dialogue. We love it. We will read it. We will respond. It may take us a couple of days because we don't live together or work together. So we need to. And we'd like to collaborate. We like to talk about things before we respond to you. But we will respond and we love getting mail from you guys. So whether it's an Instagram direct message or an email at 5c2ppod at gmail.com, definitely drop us a line. Give us a shout. We love seeing that sort of thing. We'll respond back. But uh, until next week, talk to you, us about your graveyard experiences. Talk to us about your boobs. Whatever yeah. you need. Show us your tits, witches. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Remember, no Nazis, no pervs. Totally.